why in the world are you using your own wallet to fight against those very values you claim to hold so dear? We discuss that and more today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. This episode of The Grid is brought to you by America First Insurance Group. America First Insurance Group is America's conservative insurance group committed to providing simple, high-quality, and affordable insurance solutions while fighting tirelessly for the shared values we collectively believe in. America First Insurance Group delivers value and transparency and stands with American patriots to protect our constitutional rights, liberty, and our great nation. A portion of their profits will go back to organizations for veterans and first responders, faith-based organizations, and other organizations that share our values and fight to keep America great. You can find them on the web at americafirstinsurance.org or check out our show notes for this episode. America First Insurance Group, insuring your life, protecting your liberty. Welcome to this week's News and Review, sponsored by Midwest Glass. Are you looking for that residential or commercial glass and mirror company that has more than 30 years of experience and delivers top-notch quality with professionalism and integrity? Well, you need to call Midwest Glass and Mirror in Stevensville, Michigan. I know Greg personally. I can assure you he is a man of faith, a patriot, and loves God and country. He's a great example of American small business success due to hard work and an expert craft. Call 269-428-4464 or visit MidwestGlass.com today and ask how they can help you. If you didn't jot that down, you can find it in today's podcast show notes. Okay, here we are, and CPAC is front and center. That's the Conservative Political Action Conference. Now, say what you want about Trump. He can be arrogant, bombastic, he exaggerates sometimes, and for goodness sake, he needs to stay off Twitter. But, and this is big, he connects with conservatives in a blue-collar way. I personally don't often love the rhetoric, but I definitely like many of the things that he did and says he will do. This is why he continually polls well in the GOP. And then just a quick shout-out to Michael Knowles. He dealt with this whole medical transition for minors issue. What I love about his comments are in regards to the truth. If medical surgical transition is wrong for a 10-year-old, that's not because of his age. It's because it's just wrong. It's not truth. The truth is that God made them male and female. That universal truth doesn't change whether you're 10 years old, 30 years old, or 70. Truth is truth. Thanks, Michael, for clearly and distinctly sharing that. Okay, well, in big government, unaccountable bureaucracy news, let's go to the Supreme Court. SCOTUS has agreed to hear arguments in the case against the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, often known as the CFPB. This is Elizabeth Warren's little baby, and she helped create it after 2008 market crash. Now, I'm not going to tackle the idea or the intent itself. I mean, we're talking about protecting consumers, right? But this is the problem with liberals. They have a good idea, and the ends justify all means. 
because this protection is good and necessary, then we have to do it regardless of the process. Well, the real issue is how the CFPB is funded. The Financial Watchdog Agency bypasses typical congressional appropriations and simply allows its director to make requests of the Treasury Department for the funds that it needs. The banking industry actually challenged us, saying this was unconstitutional, citing the Appropriations Clause of the Constitution. Well, last October, a lower court in the Fifth Circuit actually agreed and ruled that this agency was double insulated from congressional oversight and therefore completely unconstitutional. Well, the Biden administration appealed to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court has agreed to hear the arguments, but it's not going to be in the timeline that they want. They're likely not to start hearing or arguments until this fall and maybe a decision sometime in mid-2024. Okay, on to our weekly COVID news. There's a tremendous debate two years ago between the China-started-the-COVID-virus crowd and the elites who said, hey, this is a bat virus gone rogue. Now, we know that that was not the case. We knew it then. We know it now. But even as many opposers have had to face the truth, as U.S. agencies are coming out one after another with their own records and reports validating the likelihood this came from the Wuhan lab, but it's not often that we actually get to talk to someone from China. So for this story, let's visit with Dr. Li Ming Yan. Yan was a respected doctor who specialized in virology and immunology at the Hong Kong School of Public Health before fleeing in April of 2020. And she began looking into the growing number of cases coming out of mainland China that involved human-to-human transmission. And she told Tucker Carlson in September 2020 that the Chinese government intentionally manufactured and released the COVID-19 virus. Now, we kind of knew that anyway, because as we see, it appears that the National Institute of Health, run by Anthony Fauci, actually likely provided the funding that this lab needed in order to do this. Well, she goes on, this was no accident. Her reasoning was that maybe for people who don't have this kind of biosafety, lab three or lab four experience on coronavirus, maybe it's easy for them to accept the accident lab leak. However, I'm a scientist. I work in a research lab using the coronavirus, and I can tell you, based on the print protocol and also other surveillance systems, it would be impossible for the lab leak to accidentally happen in such a lab and cause the Wuhan outbreak and eventually the pandemic. So we have definitely now just reached the first step, she says. It was from China's lab. Now we need to pursue the truth of origin and need to keep going. She said based on the evidence that she has seen and the source she has spoken to, the virus was intentionally brought out of this strict lab and released directly into the community. She said, however, I don't think the outbreak in Wuhan itself, the outbreak, not the leak, but the outbreak was intentional. I would say that the Chinese government and the military scientists completely underestimated the transmissibility. That's why it finally got out of control and the cost went beyond just a local outbreak. However, we should know that the Chinese government intentionally let it go all over the world once this happened to kill millions of people. Folks, I don't think this is really shocking to any of us. We all knew this. Where there is smoke, there is usually fire. And there was a lot of smoke here. The real story here is why our politicians and the leftist regime are so adamant to squash the story. Are they afraid of China? I mean, I don't get that. The CCP already hates us. It's not like we're doing any damage to that relationship by telling the truth. We will continue to monitor this story as more news unfolds. Now, similar to COVID, it seems like we're getting more and more stories about ESG. What is that? Environmental social governance. This is why winning the House was so critical. On Tuesday, the House voted to strike down the Biden administration's controversial rule that encourages private retirement fiduciaries to consider 
ESG factors when making investment decisions for 150 million Americans. So English, please. This means when you have money withheld from your weekly paycheck and you put it in a 401k, the administration is pushing to have those fund managers use ESG or have ESG be a driver of where those funds are invested. It means in the future, the funds available to you will likely have ESG components, or you won't be able to invest in any fund that, let's say, invests in energy and oil. Under this rule, people who make these investment decisions would be explicitly permitted under federal guidelines to consider the company's approach to climate change and other social issues, instead of focusing on getting the most return for the investment. Again, like I said, good for the House. This is why elections matter. So I keep talking about these stories that continue to come up each week, and here's another one. It seems, again, we have almost a weekly one in the schools. Well, there's a school district in the Phoenix and Glendale areas of Arizona, and they had an ongoing contract with Arizona Christian University for the past five years, and this enabled their student teachers to be placed in the schools for field experience. The contract opened up opportunities for recruitment and hiring. Now, I get this because my wife got her bachelor's degree in elementary education and early childhood. And this is kind of like a short-term residency that you would see for medical students. But in this case, the college student does teaching and assisting to get experience before they graduate for a couple reasons. Number one, it gives them sort of real-world, on-the-ground experience, but also to make connections for potential jobs post-graduation. Well, on February 23rd, the board agreed on a motion to dissolve the partnership with a Christian university. Well, why? Well, because the board said this. The board's decision to discontinue its partnership with Arizona Christian University was based on the board's commitment to create a safe place for our LGBTQ plus students, staff, and community. This includes not knowingly entering into partnerships with any organization that explicitly discriminates against protected classes covered by our non-discrimination policies. Again, because the Christian University has beliefs that don't align with the woke agenda, they must be woked out. During the meeting, school board member Tamilia Valenzuela blasted the university over its Christian beliefs and said she was disheartened to learn about the contract that had been going on for five years. Again, there was nothing that a student did or a faculty or a teacher from Arizona Christian. It's the very fact that the university has traditional held beliefs about marriage and gender. They are by definition discriminatory. Folks, we are not that far behind Canada where even to talk about those beliefs is going to become illegal. Now, speaking of more left-wing politics, midshipmen are saying that these type of ideologies have infiltrated even the Merchant Marine Academy. Current and former midshipmen at this academy in Kings Point, New York, said that woke ideology has been seeping into the school for years, but has really accelerated under the leadership of Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. Well, that's not shocking. This academy is the only military academy authorized to carry a battle standard because of its 142 casualties during World War II. For that reason, it's under the Department of Transportation. That's why Pothole Pete has any influence at all. And all this centered around a picture of Jesus on campus that was first covered with a sheet because we don't want to be offensive and eventually moved to the chapel. It was historical as much as it was religious because it had been around for more than seven decades. But again, since it points to Jesus, if it has any potential religious tone to it all, it must be squashed. Also, there was a story about a trans man who transitioned at age 11. Okay, for this story, we go to the source news of truth, Dr. Phil. So again, take this with a grain of salt. But apparently on the show, he interviewed multiple youths who got this transition surgery, this transgender medical procedure. 
and they were debating whether it was a good thing or not. But I want to focus on the person who said it was a good thing. This is what this person said. Being able to start my transition at 11 was so overwhelming and scary, but it was exciting, and I feel so grateful. Say that a trans person came out at 8, and they had to wait until they were 18 to start hormone replacement therapy and not even be able to get puberty blockers so their body has to now fully grow through puberty. This person said that makes transitioning 10 times more hard and traumatizing. This individual went on to say that legal regulations to prevent these procedures being done to minors is akin to mass murder. I'm not going to read the rest of this article. You can go and look for it if you would like. It's a Fox News article. But I am going to say this. Let's sum it up like this. This kid said that not allowing genital mutilation at 11 years old is the same as mass murder. What, what, what was that scripture? We call what is good evil and what is evil good. Okay, now back to Virginia. Do you remember the battle for the governorship back in Virginia a couple years ago in large part over the curriculum exposed in schools? The whole election became a referendum on critical race theory. But the elites came out and said, this is crazy. This is right wing. There's no critical race theory curriculum. I remember those arguments. And of course, I'd said to myself, what a shell game. What they're really saying is there's no course that's specifically titled critical race theory. But I knew, we all knew, that the, that the theology of that, I'm going to call it theology, was embedded in everything. Well, now we have the data to back it up. A recently published study suggests that the majority of students in the United States have been exposed to at least one core principle of critical race theory, despite those claims from the left that it's not taught. Researchers at the Manhattan Institute surveyed responses for more than 1,500 Americans, ages 18 to 20, and 90% of those folks said they had heard at least one CRT concept from a teacher or adult at school, and 93% had been taught a core tenet of critical social justice which is really a combination of CRT and radical gender ideology. This study explains that its method was to interview a random sample of those who had been recently graduated in order to estimate the extent which critical social justice become part of American education. They found that 62% of students said they were taught or heard from an adult that America is systemically racist in our country. Additionally, almost 70% said they've been taught or heard from an adult that white people have privilege, 57% that white people had unconscious biases that negatively affect other people, and that 67% said that America is built on stolen land. The battle for the hearts and minds of the youth is larger than any of us can imagine. That is why Asbury, Kentucky is so great and so crucial, because the Lord is bringing revival in a parched land. He is bringing revival at ground zero for so many things that are in direct opposition to his word. Well, as we continue in the study, I love this comment. You're teaching really contentious and empirically dubious ideas as if they were facts. It's also said that gender theory was being taught in all forms of school, even private and homeschool environments. It was just more strong and much more prevalent in public schools. Okay, this now is the most ridiculous news story of the day. We go to sports. J.C. Cooper is a transgender athlete, biologically male, but identifies as a female. She won a discrimination case against USA Powerlifting this week after the Federation banned her from competing in female events. With Cooper's victory comes a mandate from the Federation. Cease and desist from all unfair discriminatory practices because of sexual orientation and gender identity. In fact, the organization was ordered to revise its policies within the next two weeks. Cooper said, I was fed up with the way I was being treated. I was fed up with the way that my community is being treated. Enough is enough. I feel most of relief. I think we need a win here, and it feels good to get that. Then she continues, the harm is in making a person pretend to be something different. 
The implicit message being that who they are is less than, the ruling said. That is the very essence of separation and segregation. As I, as I listen to this, it said the USA Powerlifting is, is going to appeal. Well, do you think? Of course they should appeal. This was never, never the intent of the Non-Discrimination Act. Sect was meant to mean biological, not whatever you wanted to call yourself. Can I call myself an Indian and get minority scholarships for my kids for having Native American identifications? Well, now that I come to think of it, actually, Elizabeth Warren actually did that. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I can do that. Okay, on the last story of the day, we're going to talk about gun control. New words, new comments, but an old debate. In Biden's own words, he recently said, hell or high water, he is coming after assault weapons and weapons that have magazines of high capacities. Well, it goes without saying that House Republicans are not going to vote in favor of a bill like this. Biden's view on guns remain wildly different from House GOP members, and quite frankly, different than most Americans. The reason I read this story is it is eerily similar to Obama's comment years ago that if Congress didn't do what he asked, he would get things done with his pen and his phone, and that is what concerns me. It's that Biden has no shot at getting the House to pass a ban on AR-15s, which, by the way, they're not assault rifles. That's not what AR stands for. That's a common lie. AR stands for Armor Light, which is the original manufacturer of this firearm. What concerns me is that he will find a regulation that will take years to unwind, be deemed unconstitutional, but have a devastating impact. They've done this before through the ATF and other agencies trying to ban, for example, the ammunition of certain firearms so that the firearm itself almost becomes impossible to own. Let's keep a watch on this and make sure that we defend the Second Amendment. Folks, for this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. Hey, Sean. So glad to be having a conversation with you today. Good to be here. Excellent. You know, at the Kingdom Patriot Group, Sean, we talk often about the intersection of faith, politics, and commerce. And I would say a lot of our conversations gravitate around the political impact to our faith and how many politicians, how many folks support agendas, policies, laws that do not support traditional Judeo-Biblical viewpoints. But we don't often talk about commerce. We talk about the commerce being used as a tool or maybe as an impact. But today, we're going to talk about an article that appeared last week in Fox News that's kind of an eye-opener. Sean, what article am I talking about? This article by Justin Haskins is titled, These 51 Big Businesses Target Conservatives. Here's what you can do to stop them. I know when I read this article, I was like, wow. This is, I think, one of the first times that I've seen someone actually put on paper that really helped us understand which businesses are supporting of traditional values and which ones are actively advocating against them. So, Sean, why don't we just dive into this? Sure. Okay, so he broke it down. They looked at a thousand different businesses and they broke it down. Each one of them, they ranked either lower risk, medium risk, or high risk. There's 147 of the 1,000 that they ranked as high risk. So just real quick from the website to explain what the 1792 Exchange is. They're a nonprofit organization. Their mission is to develop policy and resources to protect and equip nonprofits, small businesses, and philanthropy from woke corporations to educate Congress and stakeholder organizations about the dangers of ESG policies, ESG being environmental social governance. 
Their efforts help steer public companies in the U.S. to become more neutral in their ideological issues and what all they do. So as I stated, they covered 1,000 companies, lower, medium, and high risk. 147 of them are listed as high risk. When you go to their website, they have a nice chart that's basically like business cards, and you can see the name of the company, and you see their ranking, and you can click on it to see what their findings were. In the article, Justin covers banks, transportation, retail giants, and food and beverage companies. The first one that they address is the banking system. So first of all, Sean, when I saw the article in, and saw the findings that show that basically 15% of these companies have a high-risk category, that's pretty shocking. Because I think you and I would both agree that we prefer that businesses stay out of it. I'm not asking them to promote this value or that value. What I'm asking is if for business to be neutral and not get involved and let employees, team members, have their own views without feeling like they have to walk around work in fear. So as we go to banks and I was looking at this, there's a couple of things that really, really stuck out to me, Sean. Number one, out of all the categories, banks may be the most critical and by far the most scary. And here's why. When we get into some of the others, you have a choice. I can shop here or not shop there. But banking is the method at which currency moves throughout our economy, throughout the financial system. And you don't necessarily have choices there. If all the banks were to go woke, you would have no choice. You don't create your own bank. Well, when it comes to food, it comes to restaurants, it comes to other things, you do have a little bit of choice. But when it comes to banking, you literally can have your life and your business completely shut down. And so as we look through these, I think some of these are going to really stick out to you. Number one, because you're going to know of them. But number two, we're not talking about passive influence. We're talking about activism. Just for example, Bank of America, it vets its vendors based on their commitment to LGBTQ views, whether or not they've ceased lending with some gun manufacturers, and they provide funding to Planned Parenthood or the Southern Poverty Law Center, which has long been an organization that has targeted conservative groups. So again, we're not talking about passive. We're talking about overt, clear activism against conservative traditional American values. And so when I read these 21 banks that are on this high-risk list, have you heard of these before? Bank of America, Citigroup, Deutsche Bank, Fifth Third, that's a regional bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, Morgan Stanley, PNC, Bancor, U.S. Bank, Wells Fargo. This is not all of them. If you refer to the show notes, you can see this list, but I would also encourage you to go to the 1792 Exchange website to see all of the products and all of their rankings as Sean was mentioning them. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I can, there was multiple banks on here that I have done business with or are doing business with. It is very sobering. And I know maybe I stole a little thunder there, Sean, because I feel like banking probably is the most important. But there's some other categories here that are also incredibly eye-opening. Um, what, what about transportation? Transportation. Well, yeah, that's a big one because... That's how we get around places. Now, what they point out in the article related to transportation is they look at the five large transportation companies as high risk. Alaska Airlines, American Airlines, Southwest Airlines, United, and someone I'd never heard of, XPO Logistics. They tend to engage more in left-wing activism 
and even promote partisan legislation than they do in like cancellation and, and, you know, refusing to do business like banks do. So like uh, American Airlines, for instance, American Airlines, for instance, fought against the Florida Parental Rights in Education Act. They also, Southwest Airlines, fought against state laws that seek to enhance election integrity. Sean, I have a question. What in the world does the airline industry, and specifically Southwest Airlines, have to do with absentee ballot and drop boxes? I I don't get that. Uh, Chris, I think that really is the point. There's a gap. I mean, they have nothing to do with it. They fly. They get people from point A to point B. And their passengers could be anybody from nobility to nefarious. So I have to tell you, from my perspective, this is a hard one. Southwest Airlines is one of my favorite airlines. And as I look at this, I'm now faced with a choice. I think we're going to talk about that in a few minutes and what we can do. But I'm just sort of laying that out there for our audience that there are going to be some choices you have to make. Sean, can I just jump into the retail giants? You can right after this. Okay, I see shared videos every day of one-year-old Johnny falling asleep with his face in his birthday cake. If you can share that video, surely you can share the grid with your friends and neighbors. Post it on Facebook, like it on YouTube, share it on Twitter, email it, text it. And for goodness sake, hit that like button and give us a five-star rating when you listen. Thank you for joining the fight for faith and freedom. Okay, so we've talked about banks, super important. We've talked about transportation, specifically airline transportation. Although you could choose, if it's domestic, you could choose to drive, certainly at inconvenience in in many cases if it's long distance, but you do have that choice. Let's jump over into some retail. Here's some names on the list, 15 very large businesses that are also labeled high risk. Best Buy, Home Depot, Kohl's, Lululemon, Macy's, Madewell, Target, and Walmart. So when I look at that list, Sean, I ask myself, in the last 12 months, I know that I have bought from Best Buy, Home Depot, Kohl's. My wife loves Lululemon. Macy's, Target, and Walmart. Madewell is the only one that I haven't. But I thought, you know what? These are brick and mortar stores. That's fine. I can figure out how to find shopping elsewhere. There's a lot of different retail outlets. But if you really want to get where the rubber meets the road, how about this? Alibaba, eBay, Etsy, Shopify. Okay, now we're getting a little close to home because we're talking about online. Oh, wait, I did miss one. Amazon. That should just send chills up everybody's spine because Amazon is the most powerful online retailer, period. And I don't know that if we go three or four days without having an Amazon package show up. But when I read this, I'm like, how can I do that? How can I continue to shop at a place that I know is using my own money to advocate against me? That's the question that we should all be asking ourselves. Even Home Depot, I use that all the time to do upgrades and repair and maintenance on the house, yet they've used flyers to confront white privilege in the organization and Christian privilege and heterosexual privilege and all of these different type of woke ideologies. It's absolutely crazy. So clearly, we're going to have an issue if we try to bank. 
If we had tried to travel, we're going to have a problem. If we want to just buy from some of these retailers, that's a problem. But at least when it comes to food and beverages, we should be okay. Right, Sean? <laughs> uh, yeah, I wish I could say that. Nope, not true. Food and beverage, they've got their list as well. They've got, he lists, or I should say 1792 lists 10 large high-risk food and beverage companies. And I know that in one case, Coca-Cola, they're running all of their folks through, uh, Coca-Cola ran all of its folks, or at least the vast majority of them, through DE&I, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion, which is part of the social in ESG. So it's the woke, literally the woke parts of this whole thing. And that was a big controversy two years ago. But one of the companies the article zeroes in on is Ben and & Jerry's and their radical practices. They radically promoted defund the police. They opposed legislation meant to limit election fraud. And they are very vocal about dismantling the criminal justice system, and they openly advocate for pro-abortion policies. So, Sean, I, I'm missing this again. Explain to me again the correlation between ice cream and abortion. <laughs> yeah, I fail to see that, except that they are looking at spending what they think is their reputation to do something that they figure is going to help support social reform in America. I have no idea. Ice cream. I, I tell you, I, th these are perfect examples, I think, of what tolerance, the definition of tolerance to the left is. Tolerant means actively support activism. I anything less than that, and you're not being tolerant. I expected to see Starbucks on the list. That one really didn't surprise me. Ben and Jerry's, that did. I had, I had no idea. So, Sean, I know our audience is listening to this, and they're going, okay, thanks. You just... You basically took my my transportation, my banking, my food, and my other retailing, and you're you're knocking everyone off the list. What am I supposed to do? How do I deal with this? How do I fight back? Sean, fortunately, that article, I think, gives us a little bit of a roadmap. It did. And that was really what grabbed my attention the most, not just that they were talking about 51 companies, but he actually had tips. This is awesome. So the tip of the iceberg is that there's 100 high-risk companies, 100 additional high-risk companies, which includes the owners of Google called Alphabet, Disney, and Apple. What can we do? Well, he suggests that one of the things that we can do is share our instances of discrimination because literally that's what they're doing. Cancellation is a form of discrimination. I disagree with you. Therefore, you're out of your butt. So we can share, be vocal about those instances. And where do we share that? Anywhere on social media. Okay, I see what you're saying. In other words, take what's in the dark and bring it to the light. Yeah, exactly. Another thing you can do is switch. There are lots of competitors who have products that you use. There is likely to be a product that is sold by a company that does not work against your values. So make a switch. Where you can't make a switch, he offers that you write a letter to the company that is holding these practices and let them know, hey, I'm considering leaving your company because of what you're promoting. You're going against my values and saying that yours are more important. And then 
The last thing that he talks about is reaching out to lawmakers, which, you know, probably means another letter or a phone call. Reach out to lawmakers and support what they're doing. Like, for instance, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has proposed legislation in February that limits the use of ESG scores in banking. To uh, get back to something that you said earlier about banking, banking is going to be the most critical one because ESG is using banking to control and manipulate all of commerce. Yeah, I, it, it is. I mean, when we, when we think about the end times, end time prophetic uh, in Revelation, where the ability to buy and sell is controlled by the mark of the beast, you start asking yourself, well, what are the tools of that control? Well, I think we're seeing it right now. If all of a sudden your money was frozen and your ability to transact is either limited or eliminated, then it makes control pretty easy. It sure does. It sure does. And I, I really like what you said about writing a letter to lawmakers or even the company because, you know, if you're a Disney fan, there is no alternative. Disney is unique. You can argue that Apple is maybe not as unique, but, you know, I'm sure we didn't look here because we didn't get into communications, but I would imagine that Verizon and AT&T are on this list. So what do you do on a cell phone? I mean, th those are limited too. So, you know, one is I'm going to leave the company in order to impact their pocketbook, which one person can't do that. It would take tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands to really make the economic impact felt. That is one option. But even if you leave an organization, I would say that I believe that these options are not mutually exclusive and only enacted in one or the other. I actually think they should be used in conjunction. If you leave a company, write a letter to that company and write a letter to the congressman. Do both of them. Do all three of those. We don't want to just leave a company. We want them to know why. And we want to make sure they understand, I chose to impact your pocketbook because you're stepping into an arena that you should not do. And it's very likely that that particular letter, having been copied to the senator or congressman, is likely to get their attention because they see that both of them were communicated with. Absolutely. That could help, that could help raise the attention. The last thing that we want to do, we want to interject a fifth tip. And that fifth tip is pray. Now, I don't mean some Casper milk toast prayer. I mean, you need to pray for that company. Pray for the truth. Because if they knew the truth behind what they are doing, they would stop it in a New York second. So when I say pray, I don't mean, dear Lord, please bless Alibaba. No, find scriptures that deal with corruption and pray those over that company. Pray blessings over them to come to know the truth. Ask the Lord to wake up their leadership, but also those who work for them, and to realize, lickety-splitsky, this is corrupt, and we must bring it to an end. Honestly, Sean, I have often prayed, and I think it's a great prayer, quite frankly, is to pray that the, the employees of these companies, the leadership of these companies, would be just like, Saul when he became Paul, and that is that something like scales would fall from their spiritual eyes and that while they are blind now, that they would see and they would see and know the truth. Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this episode. Again, we'd like to reiterate, take a look at our show notes for all kinds of details related to this story. 
on Fox News, but also be sure to check out the 1792.com website to get yourself an education. Chris? Sean, I just want to say thank you for bringing this article to light. I had glanced over it, but I probably had not given it uh, its due diligence like you had. And this is important information. This is important information because it reminds us that we can't be idle. And what I really appreciate and what you've highlighted is the article gives us some to-dos. And rather than just sit back, whine, and complain, that we've got some things we can do. And in fact, I would switch our, our last tip to our first. The first is to pray. The second, you know, then maybe we need to switch our buying habits, but make sure that our voices are heard, that we're sharing these stories, that we're writing letters to people that can have impact. So I, I really do appreciate that. And I think this is an important topic. And I think it's one that we need to talk about early and often. I totally agree. Till next time. Till next time. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Grid. And special thanks to our sponsor, America First Insurance Group. Be sure to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated, your input is valued, and your voice is needed. I'm Chris Kuhlman, and I am a Kingdom Patriot. Oh,